Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Welcome to the Osmo MMA Strategy Show for UFC 266, which goes down on Saturday in Las Vegas in front of fans. And, well, got to note this. It's the big cage on Saturday night, not the small cage that we're used to having uh, in the UFC Apex. Of course, myself and Pete Rogers, we're going to break this one down for you over the next hour. Breakdown every fight. We'll give some picks. We'll give some prop bets that we like out there. And so much more, of course, our presenting sponsor is Monkey Knife Fight. We'll talk about Monkey Knife Fight a little later on in the show. Also, do want to let you know, the show is also brought to you by our brand new sports betting podcast, Betting You, which is hosted by Ben and Matt. They get you covered for all things college football betting. So be sure to check out Betting You on your favorite podcasting platform. Of course, you can go over to awesome.com to check out that podcast. And well, while you're there, hit that five-star rating review on the awesome MMA strategy show. That's myself and Pete. Always appreciate that. Of course, as always, I'm joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers, Jr. Pete, uh, we got a pay-per-view. And, and look, I don't say this all the time, Pete. I'm genuinely excited for Saturday's card. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's an exciting card. I will say that there's a lot of big names, but I feel like it's a lot of tricky spots, and you're going to have to be very, very selective so that you don't end up uh, you know, spoiling your parlays or spoiling, spoiling your lineups because I feel like despite the big names and despite some good paths to victory – I mean, we have a ton of question marks surrounding a ton of fighters on this card. And, uh, you know, you talk about cardio, you talk about uh, inactivity. Um, we also have some, you know, some debuting fighters in the UFC. So, I mean, it's just a mixed bag, but all in all should be a good night of fights. And I can't wait to see it. I mean, look, I think there's a boom bus fight on this card. I don't think it's hard to figure out what the boom bus fight is. I think you probably know what it is, you know, because I don't know how much you trust either side of the equation in the fight. And that's the heavyweight matchup of Curtis Blades and Jarzino Rosenstruck. There's a fight that I don't know how to break down in Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler because on one side of the equation, the guy hasn't fought in six plus years and hasn't won since 2011. You know, so, man, there, there's so many questions with this card. we got a ton of fights to get to break down, so let's get right into it. Main event, Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Brian Ortega. Volk, the defending champion here, 8,600 overall DraftKings, 7,600 for T-City in this one. Of course, it was just two fights ago, and Brian Ortega got absolutely schooled by Max Holloway, comes back at the end of last year, and, man, it just looked absolutely tremendous against the Korean Zombie. This fight was supposed to take place earlier this year. Fight ends up getting canceled as Volkanovski went through a bad case of COVID that he documented on his YouTube channel. If you haven't seen that video from earlier this year, I highly recommend checking out. Really kind of fascinating to see everything that he went through in terms of, of battling COVID here. And uh, this is, uh, you know, you, you think of Volkanovski, man, it, it – 
you would think because of his height, he had a reach disadvantage. This one, he just has a reach advantage of two inches. And this fight kind of sticks out to you a little bit. Volume puncher, Brian Ortega, you know, we, we saw vast improvements in his striking ability, but for a long time, the knock that's always been on Brian Ortega, very hittable and gets down early. Yeah, he's, he's constantly uh, trying to dig himself out of a hole. And uh, if he does that against Volkanovsky, I feel like he could run out of time in a way because Volkanovsky is really good at banking rounds. And uh, what he does at, you know, Volkanovsky combines good striking, good wrestling, uh, high fight IQ. And I think the fight IQ is something that separates him himself from the pack. Honestly, um, we have seen Brian Ortega look excellent in his previous performance over Chan Sung Jung, where he ended up, you know, upping the volume. Traditionally, he has a, uh, a decent volume, but he really showcased some some uh, advancements in his striking. And I think he'll need to do so in this fight against uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. Now, I do think on paper, if you look at the the volume, Volkanovski has the clear advantage with volume. Uh, 6.02 strikes landed per minute, uh, absorbs 3.31. Brian Ortega on the other side, which uh, is somewhat skewed from some of the wars that he's had, uh, 4.29 strikes output, 6.28 strikes absorbed. So at times he is extremely hittable. I do think that Volkanovski can destroy that front leg of Brian Ortega, but I did I was impressed with Ortega's boxing at the last fight. So. I think they're both going to have moments in this fight and Volkanovsky's not going to be able to really get takedowns as he normally can in a safe manner. I think he's going to have to be very, very selective when he does that because you don't want to, you know, get caught in a guillotine choke or one of Brian Ortega's triangles. Um, you know, he needs to, if he gets Ortega down, he needs to be careful with his ground and pound as well. So it's tough to really bet against Alexander Volkanovsky, but I'll tell you what, I think this fight's going to be extremely close. Yeah, I want to I want to sprinkle some Ortega in there. Uh, let me do a little true false with you, Pete. True I've, false. Brian Ortega will pull guard at some point. I'm a... Volkanovski has great takedown defense. So I, I think Ortega being able to get this fight to the ground is going to be tough. One of my thoughts is, and man, I, there's a big part of me that wants to pick Brian Ortega to win an upset here. I, I think the additional time for this fight benefited Brian Ortega more than it benefited Alexander Volkanovsky. But one thing is, I do believe that Ortega is going to have to take chances where I don't think Volkanovsky is going to have to take those same type of chances. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the uh, the path to beating Volkanovsky is there. Uh, you just have to do a little bit more than what Max Holloway has done in some of his fights. I mean, the rounds were very, very close in those situations. Um, the value on both of these fighters is something that I will prioritize for this slate. I do think that the main event is excellent, 8,600, 7,600 respectively, uh, five rounds to work with. Um, Ortega is going to be one of the underdogs that I'm sprinkling in plenty of lineups. But I will say as far as a cash play, if you want to think that you know, you want a uh, a safer play. Volkanovski at 8,600 right in the mid-range is probably something to to put in your lineups first. Um, but again, I'm torn on this fight, Jason. Honestly, I, I do think that Ortega has the skills to end up pulling off this upset. It's just uh, I have some question marks surrounding both fighters, right? Like uh, Volkanovski suffered from COVID, and we do understand, like even me, like I've had COVID uh, like back early in the beginning. It took me a very long time to get back to my cardio, like where my cardio used to be and despite me training throughout you know the quarantine and all this and that it felt like i never reached my same cardio peak that i had before so i hope i hope that volkanovsky is really not uh having any lingering effects from covid but i'm still going to side with him in the matchup a couple of uh, interesting prop bets that stuck out to me on this matchup volkanovsky wins via decision plus 150 
But here's a juicy one for you. Brian Ortega wins by TKO KO plus 650. That would surprise me. It it is. It would surprise me. Um, I do think that both fighters are a little hittable at times. I I think this is going to go the distance, truthfully. I think they're both tough. I think they're going to have to weather the storm from each other, um, have to get out of some bad situations. How does Volkanovski look off of his back? We'll have to see. I understand that he has solid takedown defense, but in a scramble or in a front headlock position, all you need is Ortega to spin around and take your back. And, uh, you know, now we're talking about a phenomenal Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner in an advantageous spot. So I'll be, I would definitely consider Ortega. He's He's in my underdog pool for sure, but I am still leaning Volkanovski. Of course, this is the also MMA strategy show right here at awesomeo.com. If you're not subscribed to Awesome right here on YouTube, be sure to do that. Got a ton of great shows for you each and every day. We got you covered the rest of the day for MLB coverage. Also for tonight's NFL Thursday night game with the Panthers and the Texans. And of course, if you're not also a plus member, and you want to get a little peek about what's behind the paywall. Today's free premium data and tools is NFL showdown slash single game ownership projections and also MLB top stack. So if you've been thinking about becoming a member of also plus, you want to get a little peek about what's behind the paywall, check out that free premium content data and tools over at awesome.com today. Co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko, the 15 to one betting favorite in this one. 9,500 over on DraftKings, takes on Lauren Murphy, 6,700. Pete, I did a dummy crunch uh, a little before the show today. Oh, boy. How much Lauren Murphy you think came up? 100, 100, I, I, the dummy crunch was 150 lineups. I'll say 2%. 1%. I, did I didn't even uncheck her. Zero. Zero. Oof. I mean, let's be real. Valentina Shevchenko is one of the most uh, special athletes we've seen in the octagon for sure, and – She's heavily favored in this matchup, and for good reason. Um, I still think that it's going to be business as usual. Shevchenko is going to go out there, outclass her in all facets of the game, en route to a dominant performance. It's just whether or not she gets her out of there. So that's the that's the conversation, right? Like, is she going to be able to pay off that ninety five hundred price tag in comparison to some of these other nine thousand options? The upside is definitely there, right? Like, if Lauren Murphy's a little too tough for her own good, we could see an elevated score from Shev, uh, Shevchenko because she's going to have to work more. Um, I'm still putting Shevchenko in plenty of lineups, and I will uncheck Lauren Murphy to be honest. Lauren Murphy has never been finished in her career. Um, you know, she's, she's durable. I think that's one word that people will say about her, but like, I've been thinking the past couple of days of like, okay, how does she get this done? How does she shock chef Shaco and outside of just, you know, a, a, a punch that, that maybe, you know, Shevchenko's unbalanced. I mean, I think in terms of DFS, I think the question you have to play there and, and I'll say this, I don't think I mind Shevchenko over on FanDuel $23 because I do think Murphy is going to try to get takedowns, but you know, is Shevchenko is like, you know, how many points do you need for her to be optimal at that price tag on DraftKings? Yeah, I'd probably say 110 easy. Um, but I, I think it's clearly there for her. I'm, I think she has tremendous upside given her skills in all areas. It's not like she's a one-dimensional fighter at all. Um, I think Lauren Murphy can look at that Jennifer Maya fight where Shevchenko looks somewhat human for a moment, and she was able to get you know a takedown in top position over uh, Shevchenko, and we're like, oh man, you know maybe Jennifer Maya is the real deal, but you know, styles make fights. And I don't really think that Lauren Murphy can go in there and do that same sort of thing. 
but it's something to take into consideration in a training camp, especially if the coaches are sitting there trying to develop a game plan. All right, hey, let's go in there. Let's uh, clinch up with her. Let's put her against the cage. Let's you know somewhat nullify that striking by being inside that phone booth with her, weigh on her a little bit, hopefully tax her, and uh, and then possibly take her down. But it's going to be tough sledding, and I foresee Shevchenko going out there. If she loses a round to Lauren Murphy, I'll be surprised. I think it's going to be at least four dominant rounds and possibly a finish. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're thinking this thing's going to go 25 minutes, maybe you're just hoping a bunch of takedowns potentially happens this one. And, of course, you know, one of the things about this fight card is it's three five-round fights because the matchup between Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler is a five-round fight. It is now a middleweight matchup at 185 pounds, 7,900 for Nick Diaz, 8,300 for Robbie Lawler. Look, I don't know what to make of Nick Diaz. And, like, there was a question earlier on in the chat that I'll bring up here which was in relation to uh, the interview that Nick Diaz gave ESPN's Brett Okamoto uh, from Matt. He says, what do we think about Nate, Nick Diaz saying he doesn't want to fight playing possible? Look, I don't know what to make of, of Nick Diaz. Uh, you know, when, before the interview came out, I saw the picture of him doing the pic, the, um, the photos that they do for promo aspects, whatnot. And my first thought was like, Ooh, Nick doesn't look in as good a shape as we've typically seen Nick in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I just, I don't, I, I don't know what to make of Nick Diaz heading into this one. I mean, it's the guy that interview says that, you know, he believes he can be beat. He should be fighting Kamar Usman. Like <sighs> Pete, what do you make of this? You're, you're the fighter here. What do you make of this? Um, I will say that this is a, a matchup with question marks surrounding both sides, right? Like uh, Robbie Lawler hasn't looked the best, but at least he's been in there with UFC competition while Nick Diaz has somewhat been struggling on the outside of the cage, dealing with some alcohol issues, uh, personal issues, um, being like not being in love with the sport anymore for, for a little bit and uh, looking to come back. Why is he coming back? Uh, You know, he says that this matchup doesn't really make sense. So it's not like the matchup really enticed him to come back. It's most likely a financial reason, Um, but in addition to that, I do think that he's seeing like all of it's tough as a competitor, right? When you're seeing people in your weight class perform and you know that you can beat them, it's hard to stay, uh, stay on the sidelines. Um, I will say that Nick Diaz's body does look a little different and it could be because he's just older now, but uh, a couple weeks ago, it might've been a couple months ago. Um, he looked to be pretty shredded and I sent you the photo and, uh, now he's not as shredded, so he could be masking an injury. He could have been, he could have fallen ill throughout camp. Um, he could have taken his foot off the gas pedal. He could have felt burnt out. He could have had a bad weight cut, and that's. I, I think he just didn't want to cut weight, and it, the fight at one eighty five just made a ton of sense for him. Um, if this was years ago, I I would be favoring Nick, Nick Diaz, right? Like I I favor the pace, I favor the volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robbie Lawler's a tremendous round one and round two athlete. Uh, where he can really put together great combinations and get people out of there. But we have seen Robbie Lawler get bullied at times, pressed against the cage, fall behind on the scorecards. And I do think that pace can break people, especially when fighters take rounds off. And I have to favor the pace of Nick Diaz. And this is a total guess, right? This this fight, you you probably should look at other fights from a betting perspective. But for DFS, you're going to need exposure to this fight because if Rob, Robbie Lawler goes out there and touches Nick Diaz, he could – possibly work towards a stoppage but throughout nick diaz's career he's been somewhat durable um and that pace and cardio is always in his back pocket that i think is going to be the difference maker here despite the uh the lack of time in the cage 
You know, and Nick has always been known as a volume puncher, but in his last two fights against Anderson Silva and, and George P- St. Pierre, we, we did not see that out of him. So I think that's something to pay attention to. You know, uh, the question that got asked by Nick says, so does being a five-round make Diaz or Law or must plays? I don't think this is a must play because I, I just – I, I don't know how you can have a ton of confidence in either guy at this point. Yeah, I mean, they could go out there and be a little hesitant and gun-shy because they don't want to get into too many exchanges. I also think that Nick Diaz plays around a little bit, so you have to take his antics in, into consideration too, right, as far as DFS. Like, he's an underdog, and because of his price, I think that I'm going to have a ton of Nick Diaz at 7,900. Um, I think his floor is somewhat high because of the volume if he goes out there and even works towards taking down uh taking Robbie Lawler down that is definitely a path to victory and he has some phenomenal Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well so um with all that being said I'm still favoring Nick Diaz in the matchup but this is a very very tricky fight and something that could definitely spoil your parlays it's going to be very interesting to see what his ownership ends up being on Saturday because obviously, you know, Nick and the Diaz brothers are, are two of the most popular guys in this sport. Of course, we want to get access to all the great Awesome Plus tools and content we have out there for nearly every DFS sport. You can sign up for an Awesome Plus weekly pass for $29.95. Gives you full access to all the premium content and tools we have over awesome.com. And if you're a new user of Awesome Plus Platinum, then you can take advantage of the promo code we have for this show. That promo code is MMA. Strategy Show, all caps, one word. That's MMA Strategy Show for twenty five percent off your first week of Also Plus Platinum. And if you're just looking for an Also Plus MMA Weekly Package, they start as low as two ninety five. Of course, uh, one of the things, and especially when you're a premium member at Top Fighter Tool, that is that is the uh, one one piece of spreadsheet we have over there at Also.com That is a go to for me to kind of look at everything. Look at that top six percentage. That's one of those percentages I like to look at. Also. You know, where can you find that leverage play? That's always something we're, we're talking about here. Now, we talked about the ultimate boom-bust fight on this card. To me, it's this one. Curtis Blades, Johnny Erzo, Rosenstruck. I mean, look, Curtis Blades, if he goes out there and can get the takedowns, he's got a chance to get a massive score. But when we have seen Curtis Blades against the biggest power punchers in this division, Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis, we know what's happened. Yeah, man, this is a very, very tough fight to pick. Um, and I think you have to be very careful. This comes down to exposure for me and kind of what piece fits for the rest of your lineups. I will be targeting Jerzyn or Rosenstruck heavily because I really can't trust the chin of Curtis Blades to this point. There are some times when you get knocked out, it seems like, you know, every single time after that, it's so much easier to, to wobble you or, or take you out of there. And Jerzyn or Rosenstruck, I don't really think is like a phenomenal fighter for this division. But the one thing that he has going for him is crazy, crazy power. Uh, His volume is lackluster, which if he's fallen behind on the scorecards, he could easily lose a decision to Curtis Blades. And I do think that Curtis Blades in a vacuum is a better fighter than Jairzinho Rosenstruck, right? Like Curtis Blades checks more boxes and Mm -hmm. probably should win this fight. But the better fighter doesn't always win, Jason. And uh, if I want to look at something, it's Jairzinho Rosenstruck's stats against Cyril Gaon which kind of was a little interesting to me. Obviously, I've seen these fights, but you know, when I look at things on paper, it puts things into perspective. Uh, Cyril Gaon went 2 of 14 from take, for takedowns against uh, Jerzyna Rosenstrike. Obviously a phenomenal athlete, not the same level of wrestler that Curtis Blades is. Um, if we look at Alistair Overeem, Alistair Overeem went 2 of 10 against Rosenstrike. Uh, Junior Albini went 2 of 6. So he's going to get taken down, right? He's going to get taken down, mm-hmm. but... 
is it going to be enough? Is he going to keep be able to keep him down? Um, because Curtis Blades, like on the mat, if he implemented heavy, heavy ground and pound all the time, but I wish he implemented submissions because I think that he could end up submitting a ton of opponents. He he doesn't do it, bro. He does not do it at all. And that's why, like, for me, the safe play is obviously um Curtis Blades, but I, I'm actually picking Jersey and Rosenstrike to touch that chin and get him out of there. I'm glad you brought that up because every time I watch a Curtis Blaze fight yeah. and he gets it to the ground, I'm like, dude, do you not know jujitsu? Like there has been times where like he's on the guy's back and I'm like, he's giving you the neck. Just mm-hmm. take it. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. I mean, outside of you know the, the concerns with the chin, my second biggest concern with Curtis Blades is if Rosenstruck is offering up a rear naked choke, I don't think he'll take it. Right. And and I think like it's not a lack of finishing ability because Curtis Blades has gone in there and finished tons of fighters on the feet and all that, but he's not going to do that against Jersey and Erosion Strike. He's going to look to take him down. And I think he's going to look to employ the same uh, game plan he used against Alexander Volkov. The the issue is Volkov is not a notorious finisher, whereas Jerzinho is. So when Volkov was able to get back to his feet of those 14 takedowns, I mean, let's look at the stats right here. Curtis Blades went 14 of 25 for takedowns. So that is just DFS points galore, right? But mm-hmm. if Jairzinho works back to his feet, throws a combination in, in an exchange, I really do think he's going to knock out Curtis Blades. Well, if you remember that that fight Blades, it was a five-round fight. He got – he in the fourth round got there. He was extremely gassed. And that's one of the things that um, could be a live betting type situation with right. Rosenstruck. If he can survive the 10 minutes and maybe that gas tank's not there in the third round there for Curtis Blades. You know, I think in terms of prop bets, Blades plus 120 win by TKO KO. Rosenstruck to win by TKO KO plus 375. I, I like that prop bet. Yeah. For, I mean, this is – a very, very tilting matchup, but you have to be very, very careful. It's volatile as volatile as it comes. So uh, I'm going to have plenty of Curtis blades. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to have plenty of Curtis blades, but I also, from a live betting standpoint, I think this is a fight that you could definitely take advantage of, or you could look at prop bet and at Curtis blades via decision or Jerzino via KO TKO. Rosenstruck over at FanDuel, $11 could be a very interesting play there as well. Maybe you're trying to get someone low with a potential rack up some points for takedown offense or something considered there. Well, you're talking about the FanDuel side of the equation. Our opening matchup of the pay-per-view will be a female matchup. Jessica Andrade taking on Cynthia Calvillo. Jessica Andrade, $9,700 for Cynthia Calvillo. I, I, to me, the question is, can Cynthia Calvillo get this fight to the ground? I don't think she can. I mean, I think she can. But I don't think that she's going to be able to do that throughout 15 minutes consistently because I do think Jessica Andrade is so dangerous in all areas of the game. Uh, You're talking about an incredible striker who has phenomenal power. Uh, She has great takedowns herself and some pretty slick uh, jujitsu off her back. There's there's a path to beating her. But I really think that Cynthia Calvillo is going to be a little outgunned in this in this fight. I think the volume for Jessica Andrade, the physicality, everything really points in the Jessica Andrade, uh, you know, side for me. And I, I'm going to be heavily favoring her. Um, it's just a matter of, does she pay off that price point at 9,000? I feel like I'm, I'm going to say no. I, I feel like I'm going to say no. I, I think she's going to win convincingly, but I feel like there's going to be some other fighters on this card that absolutely smash. And I think she'll just be solid. 
Could be someone to pay attention to looking at those ownership throughout the week. Maybe you see if it gets low enough where you go, you know what? Maybe I can get a little bit of leverage on the field last week. You know, and, and look, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. You know, we right. talked about last week with Impa, you know, where the ownership just wasn't there. It was like, hey, if you're looking for a leverage play, of course, you know, we, we were on the Carlson Harris side in that one. But you, know, you always talk about that when you're looking at the ownership of, you know, look at those fighters who, are under 30%, under 20%, especially in that 9,000, 89, 8,800 range, mm-hmm. where maybe potentially you can find a little bit of value there. But I do like Justin Contrage in that one. Then we got a bantamweight matchup between Marlon Moraes and Marab Davishvili. Marab Davishvili, 8,900, 7,300 for Marlon Moraes. Uh, Marab Davishvili, it's a big step up in competition for him. Mm-hmm. Gas tank, it's, it's there. It's 100 miles an hour at you know, the start of the fight to the end of the fight is crazy. To me, it's all about he just has to weather that early storm. If you tell me this fight makes it a second round, I want a ton of Marab Davishvili because you know he's going to be going for takedowns. And I don't know if Marmor Race can keep up with that pace for 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Pace is like, uh, you know, is going to be an X factor for a lot of these matchups and what's really going to, you know, point me in one direction or another. And that's why I am siding with uh, Marab Dalashvili. I understand that he's a very, very popular fighter and will come in as probably massive chalk on this slate because of his upside. I mean, his average is 111 and a half fantasy points per fight. That is ridiculous. There was only only one, uh, one fight of his, and that was against John Dodson, where he scored 74. In the others, he scored over 100, 108 against Stamen, 148 against Lopez, 136 against Kennedy, and 124 against Katona, to name a few. I mean, you're talking about 5, 2, 13, 12, 5 takedowns. That's ridiculous work rate. His pace can break people. We've seen Marlon Moraes break under uh, a lot of um, high output in that, you know, uh, Henry Cejudo fight. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say it, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Uh, there's one thing that I will say, though, that Marias uh, is definitely live to upset mm-hmm. Dalashvili because he's there in front of him for a little bit. He tends to strike and get a little wild. Um, for my liking. And I think that he has a little too much confidence in his striking because he, he knows that he's a tough guy and he can take a shot. But I do think that Marlon Marais is threatening with submissions. We've seen Dallas Feely get caught in a guillotine from Ricky Simone and get finished. Um, that was a crazy finish. The one thing I'll say, right, like Marlon made the switch to American top team. And if I'm looking like, okay, well, they have studs everywhere. Who's a fighter that can really emulate an endless wrestling attack like Dalashvili. And to me, it's Danny Sabatello. And Danny Sabatello is a guy yeah. who who has phenomenal takedowns. And if you're starting to recognize that name, you're starting to see him take out people in Bellator where he just looks mm-hmm. like the Bellator version of Dalashvili. And that's a that's a sparring partner and a, a training partner that Marlon Marais has really worked a lot with in this camp, you know, according to his Instagram. So I do like that. Um, if they could ever solve the gas tank issues of Marlon, I do think that you have a very, very live fighter at 7,300. Marlon's more of more of a sprinkle for me, but I am favoring Dalashvili in the fight. So Marab has had eight fights in the UFC. He has gone to the third round in every single one of them. And Pete, you kind of alluded to this number, 11, 6, 5, 5, 12, 13, 2, and 5 as takedowns landed. It's ridiculous. If yeah, he it, look, if he can mimic what he did against a Gustavo Lopez, a Casey Kenny, or Frankie Science, it's a smash play. Yeah, and it is crazy though, because like you're saying those names, and now we're putting him against Marlon Moraes, massive step up in competition. 
because oh, Marlon is very, very well-rounded. Um, and if he can refine some of his mistakes in his previous camps and his previous fights, I definitely think that he could pull off the upset. There aren't too many underdogs on this card where I really think they have a legitimate shot. Um, it's more of a lot of favorites that I am uh, leaning towards, but Marias will definitely be somebody I'll sprinkle in lineups. And Marab is a guy that benefits from the new, the latest scoring system for DraftKings. So yeah. let's just look at his last fight. He had 71 significant strikes land, 178 total strikes, mm-hmm. five takedowns, almost two minutes of, of control time. So, you know, when we talk about the, the fighters that have benefited from this version of the DraftKings scoring system, Rob Dallas-Vealy is one of those guys. I will say this. I got my juicy Marab prop for this one. Oh, boy. What is it? Rob wins round three, 12 to one. Well, yeah. I mean, it could be round two as well, right? Like Marias has like a significant drop off in, in his performance and his cardio. And it's like sudden. Um, so I do like that, but you know, Marab is more of a decision guy, but if you think that, you know, the pace is just going to be too much, we could see Marias get taken out of there for sure. Yeah. I just wanted to look to see what is Marlon wins round one. That's probably 10 to one, 10 to one. What? Yeah. That's That's, a juicy prop too. Yeah. That's damn good. I like that better to be honest. Uh, You know, if Marlon's going to win, that's how it's going to happen. Oh, totally. No, no doubt about it. I mean, I I think that if you're a multi-entry player, you got to be sprinkling in Marlon Marais, but I think you also have to understand there's a potential that he just gets taken down, taken down, taken down, taken down, and that it may be a situation that if this is a 15-minute fight, that if you do not have Marab in your lineup, you're not going to be optimal. Yeah, and and this is like where Fantasy Cruncher on Awesomer.com can really, you know, come into handy where you go in there and you look at the ownership and your exposure levels and you set exposure levels. Like, you know, I want to get 10% of Marlin um, because if you just leave Marlin, you know, unchecked and, and you, you try to get to some of these high price fighters, naturally you're going to end up with a lot of Marlin. So you have to limit and temper your expectations. Uh, next up, we have got a matchup that I hope they make this a welterweight fight. And that's Dan Hooker and Nazrat Haparas. They're both getting to Vegas today because of visa issues on both sides of the equation. Like, hey, come on, USC. Let's not make these guys be cutting weight to like, you know, eight, eight o'clock in the morning. I think they're both landing like 11 o'clock tonight. You know, so they're both going to go right in the weight cutting mode here. Uh, Dan Hooker, 8,700. Haparas, 7,500. That's what scares me about this fight, Pete is a fact of these guys have been dealing with visa issues. You know, Nazareth did not know till yesterday that he was going to be able to, you know, be able to take this fight because of his visa issues. Dan Hooker had to go to social media to kind of help expedite his situation. Like that's what scares me about this fight. I think Dan Hooker, there's a reason he's a favorite. I, I think in normal situations, yeah, Dan Hooker would be my pick, but I'm a little concerned based on the factors that have been going into fight week for both these guys. I'll say, I just don't understand why they didn't book it for another card. Like push it back a week. Uh, I I mean, I understand that you want to get these guys on this card. Um, I don't know, man. It just seems like it's a, it's a mess and it is a mess and it's going to be very difficult for both of these fighters to come in there in optimal shape and an optimal scenario, right? Like this is a mind 
For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor, because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. You know what? Because for both fighters, uh, you know, both fighters. I don't know yeah, right. But both fighters are going to have to deal with all this adversity and all these, you know, X factors on the outside of the cage, like having to take long, long flights and then cut weight dramatically and quick. And it just seems so rushed that I think that, I don't know, the UFC isn't really doing them any favors by by keeping on this card. But I am favoring Dan Hooker in the bout. I think that he's such a well-rounded mixed martial artist, uh, whereas Nazra Hakparas, more of a boxing-oriented fighter, has looked good in moments. We've been high on him. He has incredible speed and some good pop for the for the division. But I look at Dan Hooker and I look at his uh, legitimate um, resume and who he's fought up until this point, and that really just makes me decide with Dan Hooker. I think that he has this very, very sneaky submission game that I think could come into play in this matchup if he hurts Nazra Hakparast. Um, I, I just like Dan Hooker everywhere in the matchup. And I, again, Nasrat, I think is uh, dealing with some family issues as well. I believe his mom passed away or something like that. So it's, to me, it's just like such a headache and I feel bad for both of these guys. But as far as DFS, I like Dan Hooker at 8,700. Yeah. I mean, the one thing about Hooker is, and I think probably part of the reason why they didn't move it is because he's got that mandatory 14 day quarantine. Oh, once true. he goes back to New Zealand, like, could you imagine Pete, if, if in say Connecticut, they said, Hey Pete, yeah, we know you're fighting in Nevada, but when you come back, you got to be quarantined in a hotel away from your family, away from your huge, huge dog at this point. Good <laughs> Lord. What are you feeding Marty? Marty's huge, bro. Marty's bigger than my girlfriend. Uh, I, I will say that, uh, um, yeah, that it would be weird, right? Like I was in the bubble at Mohegan sun, um, for a week for my friend's fight. And that was an experience. And that was interesting being by yourself. So props to Dan hooker. And I, I believe he did that, uh, on fight Island against Dustin Poirier, if I remember correctly, um, where he was, you know, he had the quarantine for a while. I remember there was a photo of, uh, when he got back of him at, at a, uh, at a fence, or the, yeah. or the gate with his wife and his and his girl right there. Like, come on, man, this is crazy. But you know, again, I'm still siding with Hooker, and I just think that you know, Kai brings up a good point. He's like, I don't know about Hawk Pross, but Hooker is a look is a crazy man. I don't think it'll affect him mentally. I do think that Hooker is just such a gamer. He's not he's not uh, going to be rattled by this at all. Of course, we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. With Monkey Knife Fight, you are in charge of their player prop-based contest. And if you are a new user, when you sign up over at Monkey Knife Fight, they have an instant first match deposit of up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code AWESOMO. And uh, Pete, let's look at the main event and co-main event. Total Strikes land here. Volkanovski, 133 and a half. Brian Ortega, 95 and a half. If you think this is going five rounds, I don't think I can go less 133 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to say more for both. Um, I really am. I, I'm going to say more for both. I, I think that 
they're both going to beat the crap out of each other in certain moments. I think this is going to go into the later rounds because they are both so, so talented and their skills will be somewhat negated. I think it's going to play out mostly on the feet. So I'm, I'm, I'm smashing more on both sides. I'm with you on that one. I'm smashing less on the co-main event. Valentin Shevchenko, 95 and a half. Lauren Murphy, 56 and a half. Look, I don't think this thing's going 25 minutes. I don't know if this thing hits the championship rounds. I, it, it's a it's double less for me on both of them. What, what's Lauren Murphy's line again? 56 and a half. I'm going to say more for both because I think she's going to have moments and I think she will be competitive early, but she's going to have a significant drop off. And then uh, Shevchenko is just going to dominate her. Dominate, dominate, dominate. I'm going to say more. I think it's just barely over the more. All right. Here is what has happened here with Valentina Shevchenko. Jessica Andrade, 10 significant strikes landed. Maya, 36. Chukagian, 17. Carmouche, 18. Jessica, I, we all know what happened there. Yeah, right. Uh, you have to go back to her matchup against Joanna Janjacek back at UFC 231, where Janjacek landed 78. She landed uh, 124 total strikes. Of course, that was a five-round fight. Right. Um, I'll say that it's not going to happen on the outside against Shevchenko. It's not. If you're in the middle of the cage, you're going to struggle hitting her that many times. If you can pin her against the cage, similar to how Jennifer Maya did, um, and it, you know, get a lot of those strikes off in the clinch, it just comes down to what is considered significant and what is considered a total strike or insignificant strike. Uh, you'll have to see with that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I will take the chance on, on the more side. And the number on uh, Shevchenko has gone up over the last hour since I did my spreadsheet here. Oh, it's damn. now 98 and a half. I still think, yeah, I think she's going to make her somewhat of a punching bag throughout. And I think Lauren Murphy's going to be a little too tough for her own good. I think that probably tells you what's going on over there. Monkey knife fight that people are hopping on that less on Valentina Shevchenko, uh, which is very understandable. Now let's move on to the next matchup. We got a heavyweight matchup matchup that was supposed to take place a little earlier this year. Chris Dawkins gets Shamil Abdurrahimov 8,800 for Chris Dawkins, 7,400 for Abdul Rahimov. I think Chris Dawkins is probably going to be one of the more popular plays this week. I just don't know how Abdul Rahimov is going to be able to keep up with the speed and precision that Chris Dawkins has. Yeah. So I will say that uh, Abdul Rahimov is a dangerous fighter and it's not going to be a walk in the park. What's helping Chris Dawkins will be his speed and his uh, youth in this matchup. Whereas Abdul Rahimov is 40 years old now has been away from the sport for a couple of years now. Um, he's dangerous. He definitely is. He has some punching power, but his takedowns and his top pressure is what he really likes to turn to. Um, that's the one question mark surrounding Chris Dawkins, right? Like what is his wrestling? Like, how can he defend takedowns? We understand that he's, he's going to be the better striker in this situation. He's going to have the faster hands, the crisper combinations. Um, he probably has the better Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well. Uh, training with his brother and all those guys down there in Philly. I, I like him. I, I do like him a lot. And I think that he's a rising star for the division. Um, I don't think the inactivity is really going to help Shamil, especially when you're coming in there against a red hot prospect, so to speak. Um, my one worry is if Dawkins is planted on his back and just loses time and doesn't have enough time to work with. So uh, Chris Dawkins is going to be chalk and I'm okay with getting there. I think on Fandel, you could look at him as an interesting piece because I'm sure he's working on his takedown defense. And if he can keep this fight standing, he could pick apart his opponent and have a boosted score total over there on Fandle. And Ryan in the chat mentioned 
Dawkins yep. is MVP on FanDuel. I like that one, especially at $19. I think that's uh, that, that'd be a good play there. I, I love Chris Dawkins. I, I think that when you talk about what the UFC has done to add talent to this heavyweight division, Chris Dawkins is one of those young guys that they've been able to brought in. Next up, we got Roxanne Montefiore taking on Talia Santos. Talia Santos, 9,300. Roxanne Montefiore, 6,900. I know you're not a big believer in trends, Pete. I know you're not. There's a trend here. Oh, what is it? So we go back to 2017. Roxanne Montefiore loses to Nico Montagna in the final of the Ultimate Fighter. Comes back her next fight. Wins against Barbara. Oh, no. I see where this is going. So it's a win-loss, win-loss situation. She's coming in off a loss. Now, look, she's never someone you want to challenge. You know, the thing is, if you are going to take the, the chance of Roxanne Montefiore here, your thought is she's got to get takedowns. If you do not think that she can get the fight to the ground, I can't recommend playing her. But if you think she can take Talia Santos down, I don't mind it as a punt play. Yeah, okay, so I've learned my lesson betting against Roxanne Motiferi in certain spots (laughs) because she's really burned me, um, and she's come from behind more times than I can can count. Um, But I I will say that, you know, the UFC is putting her up against, you know, legitimate talent, and I don't think that uh, Tyler Santos has the same Brazilian jiu-jitsu acumen that uh, Motiferi has. Um, But in saying that, uh, Roxanne is a phenomenal BJJ practitioner, but she doesn't have that many submissions on her record. If you go back and you look, she uses takedowns to get into better positions to then implement good, uh, you know, ground and pound. Um, If you look on her record, I think she has four or five. I don't have it up in front of me right now. I think she has four or five submissions in all of her experience in her 25 uh, victories. I don't. Armbar from guard is definitely viable here. And we did see Tyler Santos get caught in numerous arm bars in a previous fight against Jillian Robertson. But to me, right. I, I think that Tyler Santos is going to win this in the clinch. I think she's, she's the much stronger fighter. Mm-hmm. She can take down Roxanne because Roxanne is going to be trying to lace the leg and work towards some, some neat and interesting Brazilian jiu-jitsu takedowns by, uh, you know, going for a double or in inside reap or outside reaping that leg. I will say that uh Montefiore is a definitely a live underdog if Tyler Santos gasses out. But for me, I think Tyler Santos will probably be the better striker of the two, despite Montefiore's volume. Tyler Santos will be the stronger and more physical of the two. And I just need her to win two rounds. I think she can do that. And as long as she doesn't make a silly mistake and allow Motiferi to capitalize with a submission, I think we're good. I think we're in a clear. So 9,300. I'd be really surprised if she was going, able to go out there and get rid of Motiferi because Motiferi is very, very durable at times. Um, and that would be a tremendous feather in her cap. And she tends to lose decisions. If she goes out there and finishes Motiferi, we could be looking at a very, very serious contender. So I'll be a little underweight at 9,300, but I'm still getting exposure. I like Santos more over on the FanDuel side of the equation because, yep. you know, she's going to have to stop takedowns. Now, if you did want to take Roxanne Montefiore to win via decision, plus 550. I mean, yeah, and we got my buddy Aiden in the chat saying Roxy round three sub. I mean, that's exactly what I was worried about when I saw her, when I was going back and watching the film of her against Jillian Robertson. I'm like, oh, man, Roxy's going to throw up a an arm bar and submit her, or, or she's going to submit her somehow. And uh and then I, I wanted to see how many submission wins Motiferi has. And it's really, it was kind of underwhelming for her skill set. I'm like, I would expect her to have a lot more. I really would. And 
then you bring up injury concerns that Motiferi has been recently, you know, mm-hmm. dealing with. So I just think Tyler Santos, I like her. I need, I like her to win two rounds, not so much on DraftKings. It's not a smash play. I'll, I'll probably be level with the field or somewhat underweight. Yeah. I want to say it was meniscus with her. I want to say uh, it, it was something she, I know she had a knee injury. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say it was meniscus. I mean, look, you, you know, if you're going to, you know, you know, say put, Roxanne and 10% of your lineups, you know, you're going to have to understand, you know, she's not, you know, you're not expecting her to win and get a hundred points. You know, if she wins, it's 60, 70 points. Right. And at that price point allows you to pay up for other options. And as long as a lot of the underdogs don't smash value, you could be looking at a very, very sneaky fighter and motor fairy 6,900. Yeah. I mean, look, there, there are some fighters. I want to have my underdog pool. Roxanne Montefiore is not one of them. She's more of just, Maybe I throw into her lineup and it allows me to spend up on some other fires that I really want to have in my lineup. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you say that, right? Like for me on Fantasy Cruncher, I create two things. I, I create an underdog pool where I'll have my exposure set a little bit higher. Then I'll also create a long shot pool where I have my exposure set a little bit lower where I know that it's really a dart throw. And I think that I would put Motiferi in that long shot pool. Uh, next up, we got a fight that I think may be something we really have to consider. Maybe yes. kind of a fight that probably is optimal. Uros Medich take it on Jalen Turner, eighty four hundred for Medich, seventy four hundred, seventy eight hundred, excuse me, for Jalen Turner. This is one of those ones, Pete. I feel like this is a fight you have to circle, and I feel like we're going to have to get this one right to be optimal. Yeah, I, I view this fight as going to be an optimal fight just based on the stylistic clash. Uh, Euros Medich. Phenomenal striker uh, out of Kings MMA, formerly fighting on Alaska FC. Jalen Turner, 7,800, um, training over at Ruka, I believe. Um, I, I've seen him spar uh, Luke Rockhold, and I know that's a tremendous gap in weight, but that just goes to show you how massive Jalen Turner is, and I do think that he possesses some devastating skills for this division, and I think he'll be around for a while. So. I do view this as two fighters that are somewhat on the way up. I'm surprised they paired them so early. I think that there's more stability in backing Jalen Turner because you have seen the full game out of him. We've seen him strike. We've seen him grapple. We've seen him go outside of round one. Uros Medich looks like a phenomenal round one specimen, but there's just so many unknowns regarding him. Uh, In Jalen Turner's losses, he has been, you know, he has been knocked out. So I am worried about that. And this is going to be, you know, manipulating exposure. I'll have to wait for ownership because I want to see maybe I can get, you know, an advantage over the field with one or the other, but I'll be smashing this fight. And truthfully, I don't really care who's in my, who's in my lineup. I, I'm going to be siding with Jalen Turner. They're both great popular. Yeah. I mean, they should be right. They're, they're but here, be- here's the other thing. And we've talked about this for, you know, a long time now. It is tough to trust an Alaska FC fighter. Yeah. I mean, Alaska FC and Asian MMA for a while were like fades fades for a while. Um, they're both starting to uh, uh, Alaska FC ain't catching up at all, but Asian MMA is starting to catch up and you are starting to see some well-rounded athletes, but, uh, Alaska FC is kind of, Huh. You fought where? Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you, did you remember a couple months ago, Alaska FC had a show that looked like it was in someone's backyard. Yeah, bro. I mean, come on, man. Uh, get me yeah. out there, bro. Get me out there. Uh, <laughs> Long flight, bro. Long flight. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll pull the Dan hooker. I, I'll, I'll go out there. I don't care. Uh, yeah. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm slightly siding with Jalen Turner, but 
I do really like Uros Medic. I like the camp he's around. I like the the training partners he's with um, from the contender series to his debut. He's looked phenomenal and hasn't really given me any reason to pick against them. It's just if I look at where he's from and I look at how everything's so early, what happens if this fact uh, this fight gets dragged out? Uh, and I'll, I'll say that I'll side with Jalen Turner at 7,800. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Next up, we got a matchup that came together yesterday as it was supposed to be Nick Maximov taking on Carl Roberson. Carl Roberson pulled from the event due to medical reasons, and Cody Brundage steps in. Cody was uh, going to be on the October 5th um, episode of Dana White's Contender Series. I actually uh, spoke to him about two weeks ago about that matchup, which initially it was him versus Nick Maximov on the Contender Series. Nick got put up to this card, and so now it all comes together. So both these guys are familiar with each other. I'm familiar with both of these guys. Cody uh, moved his training out to Factory X about, about a year, year and a half ago uh, with, with his wife, uh, Amanda Bobby Cooper. It's Chevy truck season. And with the Chevy Silverado, there's no such thing as an uphill battle. With the Chevy Silverado, you can take on the mountains or you can move them. Because with impressive towing capability, an available 13.4-inch diagonal touchscreen, and a choice of powerful engines to pick from, whatever your mountain, there's a Silverado with the capability you need. Click to learn more. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. And, uh, of course, Nick Maxwell at the Nick TS Training Academy. Brunish has been one of the main sparring partners for Anthony Smith. So this isn't a situation where, you know, hey, he, he's been in full-blown training camp for the last six weeks here. Maximov Jiu-Jitsu. That, that's what you're going to know him for. If you've watched any of the submission underground shows, he's been a part of that it, it, for Cody Brunage. And, and I have seen some money coming in on Cody Brunage on the betting side of the equation. It, it, he has a wrestling base, but to me, it's about keeping this fight on the feet and not making a jiu-jitsu matchup. If this fight goes to the ground and it becomes a jiu-jitsu match, the more I like Nick's Maximov. Yeah. I think this is a better fight for Maximov. Truthfully. I think that debuting against Carl Roberson was a very difficult task despite Carl Roberson struggling against submission artists. Uh, Roberson, you know, was a kickboxer who would somewhat initiate takedowns and then get out grappled in certain sequences. But I do think that this matchup is a better fight for Maximov. And I think that Brundage stepping in is, uh, you know, I think it's fair. I think it's going to be a good fight, a good contest. People getting to Brundage, I understand it because of his takedowns. Um, I think that he's well-rounded. I think that if he does take Maximov down, he has to be very, very careful. And I wouldn't really suggest that. I am favoring Maximov in in the fight because I do like his finishing ability. I like that he has a killer instinct on the mat. I think that he'll you know hunt for some heel hooks. I think that he will uh, work towards a finish. Whereas I think that Brundage will be looking to you know somewhat survive and drag this fight out into deeper water and get a dominant decision. So uh, it's it's at eight thousand, right? Maximov is going to be a smash play for me. Uh, Brundage, I would imagine, would come in around the you know mid seven range, which will make this fight somewhat optimal. Or you would imagine, like you'd probably have to get to this fight because both fighters are so so cheap. Uh, but uh, it's Maximov for me. I, I like everything about him. I like the fact that he's been training with Nick Diaz through this camp. Um, and yeah, I, I think we can get a finish here. Yeah, the only thing is we haven't seen a price on DraftKings on um, Cody Brundage unless something's come down here in the last nope, hour or so. 
Um, the price point is out there over on Fanduel, twelve dollars on Fanduel, man. That's that's a nice little play there. there. But uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be you know the, the you know the one side with both these guys is they're both young fighters and there hasn't been like that notable win on either one of their records. So I think that's something to kind of uh, sit out there. Next up, we've got Matthew Smellsberger <laughs> taking on Martin Sano. Sano, 6,800, Smellsberger, 9,400. You know, look, are, are you unchecking Sano just like you're unchecking Lauren Murphy? I, I am, I think. Uh, he could definitely pull it off if he can get this fight to the mat. Um, you know, I was looking at his Instagram and all that, and I was kind of going back and watching a lot of his fights. He's a purple belt. Um, I thought that he would be a higher belt than that, but he is not. He is a purple belt under Nick Diaz, which is, you know, still really, really good. But I think that Semmelsberger is a very tough fighter to go against. I think that he's going to be physical in all aspects. Uh, he has great striking, uh, good in the clinch, solid takedown defense. And that would be that would probably be the game plan. I would imagine close distance, put Semmelsberger against the cage, work towards taking him down. I just don't see it happening, man. I think that Semmelsberger is appropriately priced. I think he's going to get him out of there within two rounds. Uh, if he doesn't get him out of there within two rounds, we could be looking at an elevated score because a ton of accrued stats. So I like him. I like him at 9,400. Uh, Martin Sonnell, don't think he's really UFC level at all. Uh, if you go back and you look at his record, you look at his you know fights in Bellator, you look at everything, he's here because of you know his friend Nick Diaz and his training partner, um, it's an opportunity and, uh, I'll say that they could have paired him against a lot of easier opponents, but I think Semmelsberger goes right through him. Yeah, I'm with you there. Of course, uh, one of the great benefits of being an also plus member gives you access to our premium Slack channel because not just are you joining also plus, you're joining our DFS community as, of course, we're in there during fight nights talking about what's going on and uh, a lot of great conversation goes on there where you can talk with other people about how are they building their lineup. So that's a great perk of being a also plus member. Now, our final fight of the card is Jonathan Pierce taking on Omar Morales, JSP 7700, Morales 80. 500 which take pete i'll say that i was trying to convince myself to get exposure to jonathan pierce i i will have exposure to him because he's uh, uh probably the more well-rounded of the two he has good you know good hands really good wrestling i uh, i just really like the camp that uh, omar morales is a part of at sanford mma i think that they're going to prep him pretty well for this fight i think that his his wrestling defense will get better every fight every camp and i think we've seen that throughout his fights um you know, that was really on display in his previous fight against Shane Young. And I thought Shane Young, you know, had a path to victory there by trying to take him down. And, uh, you know, Omar Morales showed, you know, that he's skilled in all areas. It's just a matter of pace. And I think Jonathan Pierce's pace is what could possibly, you know, come through for him. So I, I will be getting some exposure to him uh, down at 7,700. And I think they will be pretty popular because if you look at box scores, you see Pierce has 68.6 fantasy points per fight, whereas Morales is 54.1. Um, a little lackluster, a little taking his time on the outside, picking his shots, putting together good combinations. Um, but I'm still siding with Omar Morales, despite me putting Jonathan Pierce in my underdog pool where I will be sprinkling him. By the way, if you have any questions, line those up right now. We'll get to that momentarily. I do want to mention uh, something just coming in here. Nothing crazy, Pete, so don't worry. Oh, not, no, no breaking news, but uh, Aaron Bronster uh, tweeting saying, I asked Dana White whether there was any consideration for Dan Hooker versus Nazar Haparas to be held at a catchweight on Saturday due to the extenuating circumstances on both sides. He said that neither fighter had requested any additional weight allowance for the bout. 
Well, why don't you ask them? <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure that would. Probably why work. have the managers not asked that? I would agree. I mean, it's not Dana White's responsibility. That's something managers should have, you know, put out there and said, "Hey, you know, we're we're doing a lot for the company right here. Throw us a bone." Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's get some uh, fight picks here before we get into some listener questions. Uh, let's let's start off uh, the very first fight. Let's start uh, Morales and Pierce. I will go Omar Morales. Same Morales. Um, Smallsberger. Martinson. No, Smallsberger. Uh, Brundage and Maximov. I'm interested to see who you go with because I believe you know both of them, but I'm going to go with Maximov. I'm going to go Cody Brundage. Really? Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. I got to increase my exposure. All right. I, and plus also, I think I'm, I'm it's, I mean, I look, I've known Cody for a long time, but it's also back in that gym of factor X too. Yeah. I mean, that is a good point. Very good point. Uh, Turner and Medich. I will go Jalen Turner. Slightly Jalen Turner. Uh, I will take Santos against Modafari. Santos. Chris Dawkins. Dawkins. Uh, I will go hooker against Haparas. Yeah. Dan hooker. Uh, I will go Rob Dalashvili over Marlon Moraes. Oh, it doesn't feel good, but I'll go Dalashvili. Uh, I'll take Jessica Andrade over Camillo. Yeah, I love Jessica Andrade. Don't feel good about this. Give me Curtis Blades. I'm going Jerzinho Rosenstrike. Oh, wow. I think I think he touches him. I would not surprise me one bit. Yeah. Uh, I will go Robbie Lawler against Nick Diaz just because I don't know what to expect out of Nick Diaz. Really? Okay, I'm going Nick Diaz. Um, Shevchenko. Shevchenko, yeah, yep. Uh, who you got in the main event? Man, I've been really torn. I'll tell you what, this card, we talked about it. I feel like I can get tugged in either direction with a lot of fighters, but I'm going to go with Volkanovsky. Give me and new. Get out Ryan of here, Ortega. Really? Okay. I think, Ortega, right. I, think, I think the additional time has been really key for this one. Um, yep. And uh, I'm going to say we got, we got and new. I'm, I'm worried about COVID uh, for Volkanovsky, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Samuel, appreciate you there in the super chat with his usual questions here. So top two cash. So for me, my top two cash would be Chris Dawkins. And my second, I mean, I hate to take another high go, price salary. Going Shevchenko. Shevchenko. Yeah, I'm going Shevchenko. And then. I'm going on Josh. I think that they're both going to get the victories. In terms of GPPs. Oh, I, I, re- I retract that. Instead of Andrage, I'm going to say um, Samuelsberger. In terms of GPPs, my number one target will be Marab Davishvili because of the takedowns. Because if he wins, it's going to be a huge score. And, uh, you know, in terms of my other one, in terms of top GPP play, probably Samuelsberger. Yeah, I'll go top GPP play. Man. It's so weird. I will go with somebody in the Medich Turner fight. I think that yeah. that somebody's getting knocked out. Uh MVP and champion. We mentioned about Chris Dawkins a little earlier. Uh, I yep. do like that one. Um Marab, if if he's able to do what I think he can do, that could be a huge score out, out of him. Schmelzberger, I think, is a good one. Maybe is Omar Morales a sneaky MVP? Well, he's gonna have to defend takedowns. So hell yeah. On that on that platform, that is a phenomenal call. Um, I just don't you want to target somebody who's gonna defend takedowns and work towards a finish. That's why I think Dawkins is the guy, but I think Omar Morales could be a pivotal piece over on FanDuel. 
favorite inside the distance, and it's all based on his opponent, Matthew Smellsberger. Yeah, same. I, I like Smellsberger a lot. Um, uh, looking at some leverage plays. So let me just kind of look here at ownership in terms of that. Um, on the high end, I think Thalia Santos is potentially that leverage play. They're on the high end. Um, you know, other leverage plays, um, Marlon Moraes, I think, is one to look in there because if he wins, it's, win- it's my first round stoppage. 100. Yeah. You already know everybody's going to be plugging in Dallas Feely because of pace and points. So if you can um, be underweight to that, like, uh, you know, let's compare him to like a Derrick Henry on the card, right? Like if, if Derrick Henry goes out there and doesn't have that, you know, phenomenal second half and you're underweight, you possibly could have so much more up uh, on the field than other fighters who are uh, other people who are rostering Dallas Vili. Upset of the night, I think for you, obviously you picked Rosenstruck, so that's got to be your upset of the night. Yeah, I mean, that's more of just a pick rather than DFS. I will all be getting to him, but I'm going to say Nick Diaz slightly. Uh, I mean, it's a slight upset, but I'm picking Nick Diaz. I don't know how you can trust him. I mean, I just think... Too many unknowns. I I know, but I I don't trust... I mean, I guess I trust Robbie Lawler a little bit more, but... um, Oh, it's not the the trust either one of them, no no doubt. It's also... I mean, he did beat Robbie Lawler in the first encounter, and I think that... I'm still picking Nick Diaz. Uh, I'm sorry. He's going to figure it out somehow. Upset. I will. Uh, he's a slight underdog in this one. Jalen Turner. I like it. Uh, is the first fight of the night optimal? I don't think so. I really don't. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Pierce um, has a crazy ceiling if he can land takedowns, but I think it's going to be tough sledding, and I don't think Omar Morales is going to be able to give it. I don't think he's going to give him too many opportunities. Like, if Pierce lands three takedowns, I don't think that's going to make it an optimal score. Samuel said the over-under on finishes at eight. Well, we got 13 fights? 14. Damn. I'm, 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 I'm just trying to count. I'm, I'm counting down how many I think are, are, are good likelihoods. I'm going to say under. I think it's going to be a decision week. I'll say under, too. Okay. Now, if you said number seven, then I think that becomes an interesting number. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, you, I think you, you, should, you should set a seven and a half. That should I be think, the number. I think Sam's starting to learn what's a good line and what's a bad line. So, uh, let's see here. Um, Nick says Law going to gas and get stocked and slapped. Yeah, I think he's. I believe, get if I recall correctly, this is the back to fight two thousand four. When uh, Nick Diaz uh, came into the cage and said, stocked it. Yeah. <laughs> and just yelled it at him. <laughs> Whatever, man. I don't know. I don't know with him or Nate. They're both wild cards. You'd never know what you're going to get from them. But what would be the city people would yell out in Connecticut to you? <sighs> Probably Hartford. No, or New Britain <laughs> or New Haven. I don't know. We, we have like three terrible cities in Connecticut that are like somewhat murder capital capitals. So uh, I don't know. Any of those, I guess. Yeah, it's just, I mean, look, there, there is something, I mean, even though we haven't seen Nick in a long time, I mean, look, he's a guy that's going to be fascinating to see. Someone else earlier in the chat said, hey, is there a line out there of whether Nick will show up on fight night? Oh, man, I know. that There's so, there's such wild cards. Uh, I mean, you see he kind of goes and creates his own rules and says, you know, I, I'm feeling that it's going to be at 185. Like, what? What other fighter does that to Dana White? I don't think anybody. There's not many that have that kind of leverage. I think it would be, be like that. 
Connor, the Diaz guys, and that's about it, really. Anybody else does that? I think they they provide a lot of pushback to them. Yeah, I mean, maybe Mazadol, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But but yeah, so that's going to do it for this edition of the also MMA Strategy Show. Of course, uh, as uh, you uh, leave the show here, give us a thumbs up there on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. That helps us out a lot as well. Of course, I will not be here on Saturday. I will be out in L.A., for Bucks and Rams. So, but Pete will be here on Saturday afternoon to get you ready for UFC 266. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll just slide into that. You know, I'll pop up my phone, just start trolling Pete in the YouTube chat. Uh, that's all right. That's all right, buddy. Um, yeah, no, I can't wait for the show. I'm excited and uh, excited for these fights. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for checking us out today, guys. And, uh, you know, before you leave, hit that like button. We appreciate you a lot. And if you're watching this after the fact, you want to leave a comment on the show, leave it in the, in the uh, comment session, myself and Pete, we will get back to you as the show ends. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Osmo MMA Strategy Show. I will talk to you next week on the Strategy Show. Pete will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Hope everyone has a good day. And uh, let's see those screenshots on Saturday night with your wins for UFC 266. Have a good day, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.